12, verse 2. I was joking. It's just one verse. Here we go. It says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Come on, let's pray. Father, we're grateful. We're thankful for this moment. Thank you for this space uh, that we get to share together. God, thank you for the honor to be able to divide your word amongst your amazing, beautiful people. And Lord, I ask this, that over these next few moments, God, that you would incline our ears to hear what you have to say. God, that you will open up our eyes to be able to see what it is that you're showing us. God, we want you. We want your voice. We need your voice. So as your servants here, we say this, speak, Lord, because we're listening. And Lord, since we're in this posture of prayer, just one more thing. We thank you that your hand will continue to be on your favorite college football team. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, 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 amen. I had to do it. I had I had to do it. <laughs> Family, listen. <clears throat> Our kids, they love to play games. I don't know if you have kids or maybe nieces, nephews, or little cousins, but our kids, they love to play games. And when they ask, yo, daddy, let's play, let's play, as any good parent would tell them, I say, in a minute. <laughs> but listen, it's interesting playing games with our kids because the rules are always in their favor. The rules always change. And it's very difficult for me because I'm competitive. And I'm like, I don't care that you're a little kid. You still can lose, right? You still can get this work as well. So it's already difficult for me just to concede. Well, build this confidence. No, the confidence is going to come through understanding you ain't good enough yet, okay? <laughs> so you got some work to do. But anyway, I do it. And we play basketball upstairs. Uh, there's a little hoop, you know, little hoop we put on the top of the door. And they say, well, Daddy, first of all, you can't dunk and you can't do layups. And I'm like, what game are you going to play? What are they going to say to the ref? I'm like, yo, you can't dunk and you can't do layups. So I'm like, whatever, whatever, little kids, little kids. So I'm going to try to do it. And so I go on and we play. And, of course, I adapt and I'm still winning. And in the middle of the game, they go, well, wait a minute. You can't do that anymore. No, 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 no. These were not the terms. I barely agreed to the terms to begin with. And now you're going to switch it up on me? You know what they say? Well, we changed the rules. We changed our mind. And then our, our, our oldest, Isaiah, you know, he's like the ringleader. He's always got to step up. And he's like, yeah, Daddy, I, I decided to change my mind. And I'm like, okay, you changed your mind, but what if I changed mine about the snacks that are available in the pantry? Okay? <laughs> Just joking. Okay, we feed our kids. Relax. But I wonder if, family, we should take a page out of their book. I wonder since now we have stepped into 2024 that there are some things that we need to say, listen, I've changed my mind. I wonder if there are some trends that we have followed where we need to go, I've changed my mind. I wonder if there are some things that we have picked up, some habits that we have developed, a mindset that we're living in that we need to go, I have changed my mind. And in case you haven't gathered today, 
This conversation is entitled, I Changed My Mind. Come on, would you look to your neighbor and say, I changed my mind. Come on, would you say that? I changed my mind. Now look at your second option that you ignore first and tell your other neighbor, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. So to give a little context to the text, Paul here, the writer, the Apostle Paul, uh, he's Apostle Paul because he planted churches and he's speaking to uh, Christians who are living in Rome. And the culture and the values of Rome are much different than the values of those who follow the way of Jesus. So here Paul is in his letter, he's making an appeal to Christians in Rome that in light of God's mercy, in light of his forgiveness, in light of him including us in his family, that our reasonable response is to live a lifestyle of worship. Now, when Paul wrote this, live a lifestyle of worship, of, of, of sacrifice, of surrender, obviously he wasn't talking about having a really good Apple Music playlist or Spotify playlist. That wasn't his frame of reference when it came to worship because they didn't exist, obviously. But what Paul was talking about was living a life of laying down our will and our wants and surrendering everything of ourselves to the Lord. That in light of everything that God has done, in light of his goodness and his grace and his love and his mercy, that our reasonable response is to live a life of surrender, to set ourselves apart from the world, to understand that we are in the world, but we are not of it. That we are different from the world, but also understanding different does not mean better. So we are different from, but we are not better than. And he goes on to double down on this belief by reminding the saints to no longer conform to the patterns of this world. Now, in hearing that, we may ask the question, well, what's wrong with the world? Why is Paul coming down on the world right here in this letter? Because after all, didn't Jesus die for it? And that would be correct, right? John 3, 16, we know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So the question is, well, Paul, what's your deal? What's wrong with the world? Well, to answer this question, we have to understand that while we read the Bible in English, it was not written in English. And so we have to understand the language in which it was written in and in translating it into English, well, the English language is not full. It doesn't have all the words and way of expressing what it, how it was expressed in Greek. And so that word world in John 3.16 is cosmos, which means the inhabitants of the earth, men, women, the human family. So in other words, people. So then when you read it with that understanding, it's for God so love people that he gave his only son. And then of course, well, yeah, that makes sense, right? Because the Lord says, what are the greatest two? It's to love God and love people. So obviously Paul wasn't saying, no, don't, don't dismiss the world, dismiss. No, that's not what he was getting at. So then we have to say, okay, but so what does it mean here in Romans 12 too, when Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, the word world there, I, it means aeon, which is an age, an era, and period marked by spiritual or moral characteristics. In other words, it's a system. So now you can go back and read it. Do not conform to the pattern of this system. Do not conform to the pattern of this era. Do not conform to the pattern of this age, to the pattern of this period, to the way the world thinks and perceives a thing, to what the world says is actually truth, but is, is opposite of what the Lord has said and established. Do not conform to that. Do not conform what you see happening in Rome. When in Rome, don't do as the Romans do. Look at Proverbs 14, 12. Here's why we don't conform, because it says this. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. So the, so the system of the world says this is right, that this is healthy, that you can believe this, you can believe that, you can say this is truth, and, and that's not truth, and it could be subjective, and it can be this, and it could be that. Paul's saying don't conform to that. Because that may seem right to the system of the world, but it's going to end to death. That's, it's the way to death. So then we step back and we say, well, listen, we don't want to live according to what seems right to us. We want to live according to what is right to God. Because the pattern of the world family, it will not lead to life, but it will lead to decay. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, Right? He is the way. There is no other way. And following the pattern of the world, yes, it will allow you to gain the world, but we would do so at the expense of our soul. And so the title of this collection, the name of this collection, is so good that we're stepping back to analyze the condition of our soul and the things that have caused our soul to go into this state of deterioration is because we have decided to follow the pattern of the world. Now, I'll give a little heads up. The conversation may be a little tough today. It may be a little, you're like, so wait a minute, do I need to leave now or later, right? Not like that, but it's going to be good. We say this. That is building season. And Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, that I will build my church. When he says that, he's not talking about buildings and structures, although we're praying for one of those. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Don't get twisted. <laughs> but he's talking about people because church is not building and structures. It's, it's people, buildings and structures and all that's just a tool, which means he's building people. And if you've been here at any time or if you're new here today, this is the heart of the Becoming Church is that we don't want to build a big church, but we want to build a big people. We want to build big people, rather. Meaning, we want to be big in our faith. To be big husbands and big wives and, 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 and fathers and mothers and singles and, uh, and all the things that we are and all the hats that we wear. That we want to be strong and rooted. We don't want to, go, we don't want to be shallow, but we want to go deep. Which means, let's have the conversations that allow that to happen. You know, they used to say, like, hey, don't play church. Well, when I think of don't play church, it's like, God, I don't want to go through the routines. I don't want to go through the motions. The load in, load out team is saying, we're getting up too early. 
to go through the motions. And not just on Sunday, but in my life. So let's have those conversations. And so we're going to identify what are these patterns that we're following that are not good for our soul. Because we, whether you're new to the way of Jesus or you've been walking with the Lord for a while, we've always talked about expectation. And every year, we, every moment we get to a new year, it's always about what I'm expecting. And that, that's good, Ephesians 3.20, right? That, that he can do more exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we could ask, think, or imagine according to his power that works within us. I love it. But there has to become a point where we go from what we're expecting to what we're now executing. And the only way to do that is through analyzing, of sitting down and looking and saying, this is not good. This is not it. And that's not, you know, purpose, let's go. God's going to get your enemies, right? Everybody go crazy. And I get it. And every time I hear that, I'm like, but he loves who we call our enemies, so how does that work? But another, another time for another conversation. So we've got to go from expectation to execution. So we have to have these moments where we identify what's the issue. When you hear that knocking sound in the car, don't keep driving. But let's go get it checked out. So here's the first pattern that we're going to identify today, and it's pride. If we took a quick survey in the room and we asked this question, who deals with pride? Nobody will raise their hand, even though all of our hands could go up. But most of us, when we hear pride, we often think about the person who is loud, is, is boastful, is in your face, or just flat out stubborn. But can I tell you, pride is often revealed in the silence. It's revealed in what's quiet. And I think the definition of pride is much simpler than we think. I define it this way. Pride is the decision to not include God. The pride just says, listen, yo, I, I got this. I have the education. I have the background. I am spiritual enough that I have this, that I can figure this thing out. So that's cool, God. I'll, I'll, I'll holler at you when I need you. In other words, it's this mindset that says we, we don't make room for God because we feel that we have this. And family, can I tell you, we, we, don't, we never have this. We're never in control. We can't control the next breath. We can't, there's nothing about this life that points to this idea that we have control. So we, we need him. Look at Proverbs 10.4. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. And you may say, well, what does this look like? Because if it's not loud, if it's not boastful, if it's not arrogance, what does it look like to live a prideful life in the silence or in the quiet? It looks like this, family. It looks like deciding not to pray. Because when we don't have a prayer life, essentially that's what we're saying. God, I, I got this. I don't, I don't need this. And so, and, and it's such a wrong way of thinking because when you look at the life of Jesus, oftentimes the disciples would be looking for him. And where is he? He's gone off to pray. And so here you are, you have Jesus who is fully God, but yet he's fully man, but fully God. And still he is finding time to get away to pray. 
And so then we ask the questions, why does our soul feel this way? Why are we going through and feeling the things that we feel? It's because we're not praying. We're not communing with the Father. We don't have fellowship with our Lord. And that's what we need. Why? Well, I'll say this. So, to help us get a little kickstart into that, we're jumping off for seven days of prayer and fasting. Come on, January 21st. So we're going to help ourselves out by saying, Lord, here's a new habit, a spiritual practice that we need, the practice of prayer and fasting. To, and here's why we do that, because prayer connects us to God, but fasting disconnects us from the world. And it's the system of the world that is keeping us from connecting to God. And so we have to break that cycle and develop and enhance this. That in the morning when I rise, I'm praying. In the middle of the day, I'm praying. Before I go to bed, I'm praying. And is, and is it this thing where you're always flat on your face on the floor? No. But it's a simple thing. Oftentimes, prayers are, don't actually sound like prayers. They sound a lot like conversations. Because what it is, it's this mindset. You know, Paul says pray without ceasing. It means it's this mindset, this intentionality that, Lord, I'm making room for you in this moment. I need your help because I'm inferior and you are superior. So I need you in this moment. It's just including him is what it is. And some, some of us say, well, let me, let me say this. Maybe it's not pride as to why we don't pray. We just don't know how to pray. And I understand that. Because you don't hear too many sermons on, here's how to pray today, right? So what we've developed as a church are prayer guides to help us develop a prayer life. And I meant to have one up here. And what it does, it walks us through various forms of prayer. That you could take that and begin to look at ways to pray. In fact, when Jesus, excuse me, when the disciples asked Jesus, they said, hey, teach us how to pray. And he led them through what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's not that we need to pray those exact words, but it's a form. It's a type of prayer. It starts with our Father. And so it's even for us when we begin our prayers is understanding this, that we're not in this alone. That we have a Father. That we have a Heavenly Father. Hallowed be your name. So then I go in my prayer time to now I'm ascribing worth to your name. So, Father, I thank you. God, you're holy. You're righteous. There's no one like you. I give you glory and honor. So you're taking that form and you're developing a prayer. So maybe it's not pride. It's just I don't know how to pray. And that's fine. That's why we have those gods. But for those of us say, nah, you off, bro. That's just you. I do pray. So I would say, okay, that's great. And that's awesome. But we need to make sure in our prayers that we are not just informing God, but we're consulting him. Because oftentimes, a lot of our prayers, and I say a lot of our, that means me, I'm included. Our prayers look like, God, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what's going to happen. Rather than us consulting him and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Should I take that job? But our prayers are like, Lord, bless that job. Bless that opportunity where it should be, should I take that opportunity? Because we say, well, the door is open, so it must be God. No, sometimes open doors are a trap. 
And so we need the prayer and the discernment to know whether I need to open that, go through that open door or not. Because oftentimes the door that is actually open is shut. Because you walk to the door and it's shut and there's resistance and we think we need to turn around. But the Lord is saying that's not the sign to turn around. It's the sign to pray. It's the sign to fast. It's the sign to have the discernment and seek the wisdom of the Lord. Do I need to step into this door? And through prayer and fasting and through hearing his voice, we can discern his heart. And so here it is. Thank you. We have these prayer guides. Say pray first, not second, not last, not when it's convenient. But first, you can pick one up in the lobby and go through it and develop a prayer life. Because that's how we're going to go from expectation to execution. <laughs> hey, I got this picture I want to show us. Can you put that picture up? Y'all see this picture? Y'all like, what? where is he going with this? So this picture at the top, that's our serve team. We had our Christmas party, A Night to Remember, Volume 2. I think right here, this is a rally. I think we were all shouting Roll Tide right there, that picture on the left. <laughs> then over here, I think this is picture on the bottom right. That's our last um, mobile food pantry we had over at Sparkman High School. Now, you see that picture up there? And you don't have to raise your hand, but did anybody try to find yourself in that picture? <laughs> I did. You know, I was like, well, I'm over there. Can I tell you, this is almost how we live. We become pre-programmed to look out for me. We, become, we have become pre-programmed to consider ourselves. It's this life of consumerism, a life of consumption. But I get it because everything around us, it screams consumption. It screams consume. Even I look at Black Friday. It was a record $9.8 billion in sales, most of which I bet people haven't even used the stuff that they purchased yet. In this life of consumerism, family has even crept like into the church. And I'll be honest, when I say the church, I'm talking about capital C church. And it has, the church has responsibility for it. And I get it, right? We've tried to level and reach people where they are. But as a result of that, we've kind of created this consumer mindset. So now when we connect with church, it has become, but what am I getting from it? And hear me, I understand that. I'm not dismissing that. But what is often not heard, because if you say, well, why you have that perspective? Because I sit down with a lot of people. <laughs> and, I, and that's when I hear it. Now, next time I have coffee, I'm like, hmm, no, no. It's not you. It's me, okay? What was the song? I didn't like that one. What was the message on? I didn't like it. The greeting, I didn't wave enough. The smile wasn't authentic. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, I believe we have a team here that's anointed. I believe we have an amazing serve team. Now, the preaching, you just, you just got to deal with that one. I just... I got no answer for you. But if it's all about me, we're missing what it's about. But it's about what, what can I add to with what God has put in me. It's an Acts 2 model, 
right? They serve together, and they help met the needs of the community together. It's the difference between a popcorn approach and a gym bag approach. You say, what are you talking about? When you watch your favorite movie, you do so with some popcorn, and you eat the popcorn, and you go, mm, I think they could have they cast someone else. He's not, he don't play that role too well. Oh, no, nah, so-and-so could have did that role a lot better. Why did the movie end like that? It makes no sense. So in other words, you eat your popcorn, and, and we critique. But a gym bag approach says, no, I got my gym bag, and I'm stepping up and showing up ready to add value, ready to go to work. And now I'm not just talking in the sense of church. I'm talking about life. How can we move from a critic to a contributor to something? If there's a problem somewhere, well, maybe God has given you that agitation and that frustration for a reason. Maybe there's purpose behind the frustration you feel. Maybe there's purpose behind the agitation you feel. And so the Lord is saying, listen, stop complaining about that and now go contribute to it. Because I put giftings and things and I've anointed you for that. And so this has nothing to do just with church, but this is life. That we don't need to do it, live it with a popcorn approach, but with a gym bag approach. How can I contribute to what the Lord is doing? Because listen, a consumer mindset is never fulfilled because it always has to chase the next field. It's always the next thing I need. It's all, that's how you can... Black Friday, you spent the money already. You just spent $9.8 billion. And here we are, we're still spending because it's never satisfying when we live with a consumer mindset. Now, here's the next pattern I want to, last pattern I want to identify. But before we do so, I want to tell you the story. So I was, I don't know how this came up, but it was on YouTube. I was looking for something and this video popped up. And so I clicked it, and it was this video where this chef uh, received a, a message or whatever, a comment from one of his subscribers about how they love brisket, but they live in a dorm room, so they can't prepare brisket. So to me, I'm like, what a waste of time. You just go to the restaurant and get brisket. This is not for you yet. <laughs> So the chef, whatever reason, he decides to, to answer or to address the comment and says, I got a solution for you. Guys, this, this guy came back with a 12-pound brisket and says, I'm going to show you how to microwave this thing. Come on now. That was my reaction. So here I am watching this guy prepare this thing in a microwave. He said, look how it fits into the container. Make sure you season it. I'm like, this is your waste, wasting right here. For 49 minutes. <laughs> For, the fact that he would take 49 minutes and microwave this brisket. And then he's going to pull it out talking about, look at the bark. I'm like, that's no bark, that's salmonella. What are you talking about? I don't know about you, but I don't want microwave brisket. I want that brisket. It took about 10, 12 hours to prepare. You had to get up early for that, and it came out right. Come on now. They're like, you preaching now. <laughs> but family, I think for some of us, we are choosing a microwave life instead of a slow-cooked life. In other words, we want instant gratification. 
which is a pattern of the world that we've picked up. And we want it in every aspect of our life. Our food, entertainment, shopping, dating, marriage, careers. There's no part of our life that has not been affected by this desire of instant gratification. But each time we respond and we feed that desire of instant gratification, our brain creates pathways for those actions, which then makes it easy to fall into those patterns and harder to break the cycle. But we need this understanding of the prophet Isaiah, where he says this in Isaiah 40, 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They who, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It doesn't say, so, so being mounted up with wings like eagles and, and running and not being weary and then walking and not faint does not happen by hurrying the Lord. But it happens by waiting for the Lord. But I think the reason why some of us don't wait is because we see waiting as a position of weakness. Because the world says you got to go. You got to get it now. You got to strike wise hot. Don't miss the flow. This is the moment. This is the opportunity. You got to be a go-getter. Get off the sidelines and get in the game. But listen, if the Lord has not given you a go, family, you have to stay still. Because when you move, you're getting outside of his timing, outside of his grace, outside of his will for your life. And when you do that, you step into something that should be good, but yet is riddled with all kind of issues. And then we ask the, pro- we ask the question, why do I have this problem, this issue, this struggle. And the Lord said, because it wasn't the time you needed to wait. Because as as you wait, understand it may look silent, but I'm working. I'm moving pieces out the way. I'm getting things established. I'm developing something not only in you, but I'm developing someone to be able to handle you when you step into the room. But when you work outside of that, now you put yourself in a position that you don't have my grace on it. And so people say, yo, you missed it. It's too late. You 25 and you don't have that. You 40 and you haven't established this. You're 50 and you haven't done that. Listen, family, you're not late. You're on God's time. And I don't know about you, but I would rather step into a thing at the time that God says to step into it. Because when I do, I have his grace. I have his favor. I have his anointing on it. So we can't fall into the pattern of the world that says, go now. We only go if the Lord says go. We have to choose to wait on the Lord. Because we got to go. We got the blueprints. Now it's time to build. We've been expecting. Now it's time to execute. So he says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's why. 1 John 2, 15 through 16 says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And when you see world here, this is the same world as System, age, era, not people. Right here, I want to shift a little bit 
from what I've prepared in my notes. And when I felt like the Lord gave me what to speak on for this week, I think it was the end of, of last week, it was Romans 12 too. And what really struck my heart was that Romans 12 do not, do not conform to the patterns of this world. And I started thinking about just that simple line right there, do not conform to the patterns of this world. And I started, so I, I may not finish these, FYI. <laughs> so I started thinking about do not conform to the patterns of this world. And then I started thinking about the church. And so if you guys don't mind, it just may be a little unpolished and a little whatever right now. I don't know if it's ever polished, so let me say that. But I started looking at, especially over the last number of weeks and, and really years, but it's just, it just has been increasing of just this environment where it seems like the church wants so desperately to look like the world. And listen, I don't say this standing here as a man who's perfect, because I'm not. And I, I, I would say I will let you down, but the best thing to say is I have already let you down, right? Because I'm not perfect. So I don't want you to hear anything of what I'm saying from a place of I'm pointing fingers or I'm perfect or any of that. But I just was praying for the church, the capital C church, because the local church is the hope of the world. It's is Jesus is his bride, is what he's returning for its people. And so I just was, my heart was hurting because I'm like, Lord, it's confusing. Because we hear the message of the church, but the actions sometimes are different. And so if I haven't connected to faith and to you, God, it's a barrier to do so when I, if a person looks and they're seeing what they're seeing. And I was really wrestling with that because I'm like, Lord, I'm not perfect. The Becoming Church doesn't do everything right. We're not trying to be better. There's never been the mission, never will. But we are trying to steward this well. And, and not just from standing here going line by line. But we're trying to live it well, right? Not just being readers, but being doers. But I said, Lord, I'm just being honest right now. It gets difficult when we look and we see what's happening across the capital C church, especially from a, I even almost hate to use this word, from a celebrity Christian perspective. And so it tells people that you can do this but still be this. But I'm like, Lord, but that's not what it says here. It says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so what has happened is that the church, we, we don't want to be different. And we want to be accepted by the world. But the moment we want to be accepted by the world it's the moment deception creeps in because Jesus himself was never accepted. It was the religious leaders and teachers of the day that chose him. So why would we think that we would be any different? 
and then we model our message through this lens of everything is always perfect and always good and nothing will go wrong. And, and we've tried to change the message of prosperity to the message of purpose. And neither one of those are wrong. But when they're not in the right context and all they do is point to me and how the Lord is working to make my life better, then we miss it. Because here is when people leave the faith is when life does not get better. Come on. Have you prayed a prayer and you didn't see the answer you wanted? Have you prayed the prayer for them to live and they died? Have you prayed the prayer for them to be healed and the sickness got worse? So what do we tell that person when we say it's God's will for you to be healed? Without the full context that the way the Lord sees healing is in eternity. And sometimes it happens here, but sometimes it doesn't. And so what I'm saying is we can't preach an incomplete gospel because an incomplete gospel is not the gospel. We have to preach the full counsel of his word. And I do my best to handle it and to walk it out right. But I have to take responsibility for the souls in the room to steward well. Because I'm not the shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd to the good shepherd. And he's going to ask me, how did you handle my people? It's why as pastors, when we use this language of our people, it's the wrong language. Because I don't own you. I can't get my four-year-old to do anything. (laughs) Far less you... (laughs) But it's the heart and the mindset and the attitude that, Lord, whatever your will is, that's your will. I'm going to try to walk in it. I'm going to try to steward it. But we have this responsibility. We say we don't want to build a big church, but we want to build big people. And so this message, this way of doing it may not be popular. It may not lead to buildings all across the city and this, 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 and this. But I don't care if it leads to shallow people. Come on. We are the children of God. We carry this message of hope, of being able to, yes, we can pray on earth as it is in heaven, and we can believe to see heaven come to earth, but also understanding God is operating on a much bigger perspective. And so I can't stand here every single week and tell you about your purpose. I can't sit here and stand every week and tell you how God is going to get your enemies back. Because newsflash, he loved your enemies as well. No, no, no. He's trying to bring us to a place of reconciliation because we are the body. So so you're like, so what happens next? Nothing more of the same. Because this has always been our approach. And it's not going to be the popular thing. It's not going to be the buzzworthy thing. It's not going to be the, the, the can I get real with you for a second? So I, we have an amazing creative team, and they'll post things on social. And, then, you know, we look and, and at things because we want to make sure what we're doing makes sense and, and not just doing things just to do it. And I'm like, man, that, I thought that would do good. I thought that, that was a nice graphic. That was nice. And I'm like, well, I guess we're not talking how God's going to get your friends and establish your purpose and get you to big home and big car all the time so it's not a popular message. But can I tell you that's okay? 
Because when I look at Jesus in John 6, and he's got all these people around him, he says, listen, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And these folks said, do what? <laughs> and they left. And then he turned to, to, to his disciples, the 12 that was walking close, closer with him, and said, so what are you going to do? You going to leave too? He said, listen, this is, this is a hard teaching. This is difficult. So I get it that it's difficult. And, and, and we have made it to be easy. And we've said, it's easy to follow Jesus. So I'm going to tell you this. It's hard to follow Jesus. It's easy to accept him. So it's yes, it's easy. Do you believe? Yes. Now here's where it gets hard. It's daily denying your flesh. Daily denying yourself. Daily saying no to yourself. And that is where some of us, we exit. But it's the church's responsibility to tell people that is hard. But when you say yes to Jesus, you get the power of his Holy Spirit in you to help you navigate this thing. And to say stuff will happen, but you don't have to exit. That's why this church is called the Becoming Church, because it's a journey. So let's journey through life, through the wins, through the highs, through the lows, through the celebratory moments, through the difficult moments. But at the end of the day, we keep going and we see Jesus. And so that's the direction we want to go. So listen, be mindful of who you watch. Be mindful of who you listen to. Be mindful of the influences. Be mindful of things that, that you know, that will... People will put the label Christian on because I don't know if I, should, I don't even know if I should be. I, I may just be going too far right now. But we have we have to understand this in 2024. This thing called Christian has become an industry. And so there is a profit to gain an increase in that. And so you have to be wise and understand that everything that has the label of Christian attached to it, it's not. It's demonic, okay? And so you have to have the discernment. And that has to happen outside of me. So please, can I tell you, don't put me, never put me on a pedestal. Never think more of me than I think of myself. Because I'm not that guy. But he is. So all I, all I want to do is, is like Paul, like be an ambassador. So I want to point to him. But listen, I want, I want us to be able to sit down and handle the word. Micah, come help me. I want us to be able to, to divide the word. And so we come here and we talk it and we discuss it, but then we go home and we figure out and we ask the Holy Spirit for insight so that we can live it out well. But I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm not a celebrity. I never will be one. I never will. I, I want to go to Publix and nobody interrupt me because I'm trying to get in and out. And if you say, did you see something? Like, is it something? No, this is not about anybody. But this is just about what I see and what's just been happening in our, in our world and, and with, within Christendom. And we have to say, no, Lord, I, I need the discernment. Because whether we want to live like it or not, Jesus is returning, right? And, and there are ones that will say, Lord, we did this in your name. We healed in your name. We cast out in your name. He says, I don't even know you, bro. Depart from me. And so we can do all these things and think we've done it. But we didn't do it for the glory of him. And you say, well, how did it work? Because his name works. That's how it works. So people will preach the word and it will go forth and things will happen. 
but what was the vessel? And so we have to look at these things and ask the Lord for discernment. And here's the last thing I'll say, and we'll pray. If you're in this room, and if you have experienced church hurt in any kind of way, where people just wrong you, they mistreated you, they didn't steward you well, they didn't steward you right, it was lies, it was manipulative, it was transactional, it was what I could get out of you, it was I love you until you're no longer useful or somebody else better comes around. I want to tell you that I'm sorry that you had to feel that and that you had to experience that. And it's my prayer that you never experience that at the Becoming Church. Do I have the capacity to be able to connect with everyone on the same level? I, I, I don't. So I pray that you would afford, afford me that truth and that reality. But never do I want anyone on our serve team or within this body to think that you don't have value or that what we do is transactional. It's not. It's relational. And if you've experienced that hurt, if you experienced that pain, if you've been dismissed, I apologize. And, and I'm, I'm glad you're here because that means at least God is doing something that you would be able to connect to a place, to, to an institution, to a church, to an organization in which you have experienced pain. But it was people. People aren't perfect. It wasn't the Lord, even if they used his name. It wasn't him. And so I just want to say sorry on the apology that you won't get and trust the Lord and allow him to heal your heart. Don't rush the process, but trust him and in time, allow him to heal you. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me today? Well, let me say this. So you said, well, wait, we identified the negative patterns. What about the patterns? Listen, here it is. Instead of choosing pride, we're going to choose humility. And instead of choosing a consumeristic life, we're going to choose to live a life of service. And instead of wanting instant gratification, we're going to choose to live a life of trusting the process. And when God gets us there is when he gets us there. Amen. Let's pray.